0: Welcome to The War. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box 13 at net. Well, we continue our look at uh, programs, uh, in particular, popular radio comedies responding to the coming of the war. We already played an episode of The Great Gildersleeve around Thanksgiving, and this episode comes from December the 14th, 1941, as we take a look as war comes to Summerfield in selling the iron deer.
1: Craft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> yeah. From Hollywood, California, craft present Harold Perry of the Great Gildersleeve, written by Leonard L. Evans. We'll hear from the Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. But first, maybe some of us accept progress without giving it much thought. Why, nowadays, most people take the wonders of radio and the airplane for granted. Yet when you stop and think, these modern developments are really astounding. And of course, there's been a lot of progress in foods, too. Take margarine, for example. Modern margarine like parquet. the margarine made by craft. But people who haven't tasted margarine for a long time are amazed when they discover how deliciously good parquet tastes. That's because parquet margarine isn't just an ordinary margarine. It's as different from old-time margarine as the modern automobile is from the horseless carriage. You see, parquet margarine is outstanding because of the rich delicacy of its flavor. Also because it's an economical source of food values your whole family needs. Yes, unlike old-time margarine, parquet margarine contains important vitamin A, 9,000 units in every pound. Besides that, parquet margarine is about as nourishing and wholesome an energy food as you could serve. So don't put it off. Try this delicious modern margarine tomorrow. Remember, it's parquet. (laughs) P-A-R-K-A-Y. And our friend, the Great Gildersleeve?
2: Uh, laundry for month of November, twenty-four dollars and thirty-two cents. I never saw such a clean family in my life. <laughs> Groceries for the month, hundred and three dollars. Such a hungry family, either. Gas, water, and uh, oh, hello, Leroy. Light for the month amounted to what is it, Leroy?
3: Gee, Uncle Mort, I just hate to mention this to you.
2: Well, Leroy, if you hate it so much, don't do it, especially if it's about money.
3: How did you know, Uncle?
2: You combed your hair, put on a tie, and tucked in your shirt. <laughs> Anytime I see so much change in you, it means a little more change out of me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, but, Uncle, it's Christmas practically here. You know, I'm a
2: little shy. It's shy? You don't seem very shy to me. <laughs> Yes. What about all those Christmas presents you were making in your manual training and handcraft classes in school?
3: Oh, well, all my plans were haywire. Yeah? Gee, I made a keen smoking stand for you, Uncle Mort. Well. Boy, I could never get the legs even. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right, I must have sawed them 30 times. Well. Say, i You'd just as soon have a footstool, wouldn't you?
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes,
4: of course, of course. <laughs> oh, Mr. me, I fixed all your favorite things to eat for lunch. Is there anything special you might be wishing for in addition?
2: Yes, Bertie. Quit stuffing me just so you can hit me for another advance on your salary.
4: Why, Mr. Gillsley, you positively can read my mind even before I mix it up. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Bertie, I can't let you have any more advances. Your salary is so overdrawn right now that it needs a blood transfusion.
4: But I don't mean my January salary. I just want to nibble into February. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
2: Bertie, you've eaten halfway through March already.
4: <laughs> mm, that's bad. But I made some powerful miscalculations in my Christmas figures. I added up two zeros, and all the time, there should have been an eight.
2: <laughs> well, I'm having enough trouble with my own bookkeeping. By George, I wish I had the bookkeeper here that I had at my girdle works. He was a wizard with figures.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, Marjorie. Oh, say, Uncle Mort, speaking of figures, my checking account is all in a mess. I'm going to need $50 more for my Christmas shopping.
2: No, see here, all of you. There won't be any more money available in this household in the first of the month. Why?
3: Well, what happened?
2: Well, uh, last Monday I rushed down to the bank and put all our money into defense bonds and stamps.
3: Oh, oh well, i did. I
2: yes, I'm afraid I overdid a little bit, though. I gave them all our ready cash.
3: Well, Uncle more, what have you been using for spending money since?
2: Well, Marjorie, do you remember my collection of rare buffalo nickels? Yes. Well, they've gone the way of the buffalo. <laughs> But I don't mind, though. I want to do everything I can to help.
4: Oh, me too. I'm all right up myself. I want to join the Japanese army. Just what? Why, Ferdy, What do you mean? Well, I'd like to cook for them people for just one day. That's all.
2: Yes, yeah, Bertie, I see what you mean. Anyway, we won't mind skipping a few things this Christmas, will we, children? After all, half of what we buy each other always winds up in the storeroom anyway. Uh, say, I've got an idea. Yes, Uncle on uh, Let's see what we can sell out of that storeroom.
3: Huh? Of course, I never thought of that. Come on, let's look now.
2: Yes, yeah, come on, everybody, come
4: on. <laughs> Must be a million things in here. Yes.
2: Yeah. What would I tell you?
4: Look. Maybe yeah, I can sell that old dress form. But you don't promise that to me, Miss Maud.
2: Oh, isn't that dress form a little, uh, a little, uh, little for you, Bertie?
4: <laughs> uh, no, sir. I just measure everything on that, and then I multiply by three, and that's me.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yes, I see. <laughs> well, Leroy, you certainly outgrown that old scooter of yours there.
3: Yeah, but I need the wheels to make a wagon. You know how things are these days. A man can't go around wasting rubber.
2: Yeah.
3: Hey, how about selling buck?
2: It's... Buck?
3: Yes, that's what we call the iron deer in the corner. Oh, that. He used to stand out on the lawn. Yeah, until one Christmas Eve when Grandpa thought he was Santa Claus and tried to ride at home all night long.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: There's a powerful lot of iron in that animal, though, it'd be worth some money.
4: Ain't scrap iron valuable when a country's scrapping?
5: <laughs>
2: yes, sir, I think we can get a little dough out of that deer. I'll tell you what we'll do. If any of you can sell it, uh, you can keep the proceeds.
4: Me too, Mr.
3: Gildersleeve?
2: Yes, of course, Bertie. However, I'll deduct the money out of your April wages.
3: <laughs> hey, I'd better get busy. Maybe this will be the beginning of my entire business career. Yeah.
5: Well,
3: is this Skinner Salvage and Scrap Company that buys anything from a safety pin or a second-hand skyscraper? That's me. Mr. Skinner, i got a big business deal for you. What are you paying for scrap iron these days?
2: 80 cents a hundred. How
3: much you got? Oh, plenty. You better come out and see me. 747 Parkside Avenue.
2: Okay,
3: who's just talking? Uh, just ask for Mr. Leroy Forrester. And remember, don't buy it from anybody else. Hot dog. I'll get the money to buy Marjorie that salt chemistry set I like so much for Christmas.
6: <laughs> yes, this, this is this, the Line Lineworks. Folks speaking. Uh,
3: this is Marjorie
6: Forrester. Well, oh, how can I be a service, Miss Forrester? Uh, it is uh, Miss Forrester, isn't it?
3: uh <laughs> I want to know if your company is interested
6: in purchasing a quantity of used iron. Why? Why? Well, yes, we are. In what form is this iron?
3: Really? It's a
6: little dear. Oh, we won't quibble about prices, Miss Foster. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, you don't
3: understand,
6: silly. It's an iron here. An
3: electric iron, darling. <laughs> <laughs> you better
6: let the buyer come out and speak for himself. A buyer? Why? I'd like to see what the little deer looks like himself. <laughs> and I'd like to come face to face with that lovely voice of yours. Really,
3: Mr. Jones, you're a fast worker. Uh, now, oh, dear, no, no, I've got to go to the hair appointment now. Oh, what am I saying? Hey. Come out about twelve thirty, Mr. Bell. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>
4: Hello? Is this Josephus Bush, the presiding potentate of the excruciating orders of the sons of Pharaoh? <laughs> and he was otherwise known as Joe the Jumpman. <laughs> well, this is Bertie Lee Coggins of the Sister Lodge, the mysterious and bewildering order of the daughters of Cleopatra.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
4: A greeting from the grand, exhausted ruler of the pyramids. <laughs> yeah, brother, that's me. <laughs>
3: You know
4: whereabouts I work on Parkside Avenue? Well, hit your horse to the wagon and trot right up here. I'll send you a piece of junk that's really a piece of high-class junk.
5: <laughs>
4: what is it? Well, I don't know for sure, but it's something in the shape of a mule, only it's got his head stuck in a hat rack. <laughs>
2: You've been running to the door like a strip of hall carpet.
3: Well, it's, it's on the counter. I'm waiting for Mr. Skinner.
2: Skinner? What does he do?
3: He buys anything from a safety pin to a second-hand skyscraper. I'm going to sell him buck.
2: Well, how much is he going to pay you?
3: Eighty cents, a hundred pounds. And that deer must weigh a couple of thousand pounds at least. Oh,
2: no, Leroy. You'll be lucky if it weighs 200 pounds.
3: Oh, but it looks heavier than you, Uncle Morton. You must weigh over... Never
2: mind what I weigh over, Leroy. <laughs> Don't forget that deer's hollow and I'm not. No.
3: <laughs> He's got horns and you haven't.
2: <laughs> but I wear shoes and he doesn't.
3: Yes, yeah, you're right, then all I'll will be between a dollar and a half and two dollars.
2: Leroy, we really ought to try to get a better price. Have you called any other junk dealer to bid against your Mr. Skinner? No, I haven't. Well, if you had, uh, so wait a minute. I know how we can get a decent sum for our cast iron cast off. How long? Competition is the spice of the pudding, my boy. And if Mr. Skinner had a little competition...
3: I know. You're going to pretend you're another junk man, aren't you, Uncle Mort?
2: Oh, you went and guessed it.
3: (laughs) But Mr. Skinner won't. He's a regular super-duper of a skin. You think so?
2: Well, let's try it then. You just introduce me by some other name, some uh, pseudonym, and I'll keep boosting the price up for
3: you. It'll look fishy unless you put on a hat and coat. You better get old ones. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, darn, I bet that's him now. Uh,
2: Skinner? Uh, well, I find an old overcoat and hat. Tell me quickly, Roy.
3: Right there on the store
2: Oh, road. yes. <laughs> I better get in something you. I comes back with that real junk man. Ah, uh, here's something I've always wanted to wear.
3: Now let me
1: get this all clear, kid. Are you sure that
2: you're Mister Leroy Forrester?
1: Of course, Mister Skinner.
2: Well, then who's this fat gent here with the derby hat and the old army overcoat?
5: Oh boy!
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
2: What's so funny, young man?
3: Uh, <clears throat> nothing, nothing at all. Mister Skinner, this is another junk dealer, Mister, uh, uh, Mister, uh, a Sudlin. Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, pleased to meet you, sir. Hey, what kind of a junk man are you, given I would a place to meet you, sir? Uh, and say, I never heard of no local dealer with a name like Studenheim.
5: <laughs>
2: are you a member of the JMCA? Uh, no, however, I am a member of the YMCA. <laughs> I mean the Junk and Metal Collectors Association. Oh. Are you sure you're a legitimate junk man? You sure don't talk like one. Oh, well, uh... That's because I come from Boston. We talk this way up that way.
1: <laughs> okay.
2: Okay. Yeah. Only one thing. Kinda watch your step around this town. Get it? Yes, yeah. got it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Say, how much will you give me for this swell iron deer, huh?
2: Well, where's the rest of the scrap you want to sell?
3: That's all there is, isn't it enough? For Pete's sake.
2: You mean you drag me all the way here for one rusty mildew chunk of metal venison? You mean you don't want it, eh? Well, we'd like to have this little number up in uh, Boston. Uh, yes. Uh, buddy, I'll give you two dollars for it. Hey, if you give that much your way off your bean, Mr. Sudohammer. What? That ain't worth it at all. I'll give you two and a quarter. Why, you you, you little overbearing overbitter? You can't do that for Throckmorton P. pseudonym. I'll wipe that nasty little grin off your face and just about. I bid three dollars. Well, I'll show you the two can play at that game. I bid three dollars and five cents. Five cents. cheapskate, I'll make it four dollars. Oh, you do? Well, you can have it, bumper belt. I'm screwed.
3: Hey, Hey, wait a minute. Don't go. No,
2: don't go. (laughs) Aren't you going to make another bid? I should say not. I wouldn't give a cent more than 375. I'll give
6: 380. Please don't, sure,
2: Uncle. Oh my
6: goodness. <laughs> oh, Uncle, eh? <laughs> Aha. I
2: see it all now. You ain't no junk man. Yeah? I could tell on that derby hat you're wearing. You're nothing but a pawnbroker. What? <laughs> Yes, yes, that's it. Uh, a palm uh, broker. <laughs> Uncle Mort, they call me. <laughs> hey kid, you better take my offer. This guy don't look reliable to me.
3: Well, okay, Mr. Scout.
2: Okay, it's a deal. I'll be back this afternoon for this Uncle Jump. And by the way, Sudy. Uh, yes? I'll give you a buck for that hat and coat you're wearing. You will? Yeah, what do you say? So. <laughs> <laughs> Leroy, you go ahead and shop as far as your three seventy-five will take you. I'm going into this bank.
3: I can't, for more. Yeah,
2: And remember, Leroy, go straight home as soon as you're finished. Uh, say, who is this fellow coming this way?
3: I don't know, Uncle.
2: His face is mighty... F- oh, yes, of course. Uh, hello, Mr. Llewellyn. Oh, Mr. Gillespie. <laughs> I'd like to have you meet my nephew, Leroy Forrester. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Forrester. Or may I address you as we would? <laughs> Mr. Llewellyn uh, was formerly your cousin Octavia's secretary, Leroy. Uh, that's what
3: made i that's got to have you quick. i got to go
2: now. Come on, good Llewellyn. Uh, goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Hey, say, Llewellyn, how does it happen that you're still in Summerfield? Well, I was in such a rush to resign from your cousin's employ, I neglected to collect my last week's salary. Oh, I see. Did that leave you in an awkward financial position? It left me slanted high and dry. Yes. Really, I'm rather discouraged and depressed. Oh, now, now, Llewellyn, old chap, remember, every cloud has a silver lining. Okay, every cloud has a
4: silver lining, so what?
2: (laughs) Can I take a silver lining to my wedding and and say, Here, Mrs. Wafferty, this is to pay (laughs) the (laughs) rent.
4: Or can I slice it like bologna and have it for lunch? Or can I use a silver lining in my shoes instead of weather?
5: No,
2: no, no, no of course not. I well, didn't realize you're Well, it happens that I need some clerical assistance. Would well, you like a job? Oh, well, more emphatically. Oh, do you know anything about bookkeeping? Oh yeah, double entry, plopping and woss wedges. Let me recite my experiences. Uh, it's not necessary. I'll give you a trial. You will? Yes. I really need a bookkeeper badly. And I imagine that's just how you keep books.
4: <laughs> oh,
2: you don't know how glad I really am.
4: This means I won't
2: have to take the job that was offered to me. Oh, you had a position you could have taken. Oh yes. I could have gone to work reading news flashes on the radio. They
4: said I'd be a woo-woo.
2: Yes. <laughs>
3: You, Leroy. What's all the fuss for? Somebody swiped bucked the Iron Deer. The man I sold it to was here just now, and we couldn't find her any place. Of course not. The man I sold it to just hauled it away. You sold it to? Jeepers, now we're in a mess. Mr. Skinner is coming back in three hours. Well, just give him the refund on his money. I can't. I spent it. Besides, he told me to have the deer here, or he'd go to the police station. What for? They ain't got no deer there, only bulls. <laughs> Well, well, Skinner's going to have me arrested for selling what I haven't got if I can't deliver what he thought he was paying for when he bought what you just sold. Well, pay that over again and take out the note. <laughs> He's going to get me arrested for selling him my disappearing iron deal. Well, oh, hello, Uncle Mort. Hello, Mr. Wallen. Hello. See, Uncle Mort, we're in a jam. A jam? What's wrong? You remember Mr. Skinner who bought the deer for three seventy-five? dollars Yes. Well, he didn't.
2: How could he didn't?
3: <laughs> well, when he came to pick it up, Bertie had already sold it to somebody else. And now Skinner says he's gonna have me arrested if he doesn't get the deer back.
2: Oh my, and I had a lot of matters to straighten out with Mr. Llewellyn here this afternoon. Let's do him later. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with your ears, Bertie? Mr. Llewellyn said let's do him later.
4: Oh. huh <laughs>
2: Uh, there's only one thing to do, and that's to get the deer back. Uh, who'd you sell it to, Bertie?
4: Joe Sievers Bush.
2: Oh, yes, Joe Bush. I've heard that name before. Uh, where is his place of business?
4: Any alley. Uh, <laughs>
2: no, where does he transact his affairs from?
4: Oh, from a horse and wagon. Oh
2: no, Ford. no, no, no Bertie. What Mr. Gildersweep is driving at is,
4: where does he whip? Where does he sweep? Where does he get his telephone calls? At the corner 33rd and the railroad track.
3: What do you <laughs> <laughs> Well,
2: let's go to the well railroad twice. Yes, we've got to get that deer back before that skinner returns.
4: Oh, that reminds me,
2: Mr. Gildersweave. Isn't it a little bit late in the season to be hunting deer? Yeah. Oh. those antlers, Llewellyn. Yes, sir. All right, Mr. Mailman. You lower the other end. Yes. You boys in the middle. Steady now. Yes. Steady. Yes. There it is. Yes. Thank you very much, boys. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty tuckered out. Yes. Trouble is you don't keep yourself in condition, Llewellyn. Well, shall we move Bucket back into the storeroom or let him stay here in the hallway for Mr. Skinner to pick up?
1: Personally, I was hired as a bookkeeper, not as a longshoreman. Oh, well, yeah
5: <laughs>
2: Well, uh, let's leave it right here for Skinner. Uh, And remind me to tell Bertie that her friend, uh, Joe Bush, charges $7 out of her April wages to get this metal moose back here. Yes, sir. You know something, Mr. Gildersleeve? Every time I work at this statue, it reminds me of something. Does Anybody you know? No. I just can't recollect just what it reminds me of. Oh, well, come with me, Llewellyn, and I'll show you where to wash up. Oh, gladly. Yeah, moving a thing like that's no Halloween prank. right? This way.
3: Well, thank you for a very lovely lunch,
6: Mr. Phelps. Oh, don't thank me, Miss Marjorie. Thanks for some of the line work. After all, the other ones are going to pay for it. They will? For Sure. It's a necessary expense. You know, like entertaining an out-town buyer. Only in this case, it's a, it's an
3: in-town seller. Boy, what a line. You could use it as a leash for an elephant. <laughs> oh, look, somebody moved the deer out of the storeroom for us. I wonder how they knew you were buying it.
6: Well, I'll have my men loaded onto the truck. All
3: right. Okay. You and Charlie can come in here now. It's terribly nice of you to give me $20 a buck, Mr. Phelps. Are you sure it's worth that much?
6: Oh, yes, yes, of course. They're not putting iron like that into the deer deers these days, you know.
3: No, not unless <laughs> they feed them spinach. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do with it? Use it as a radiator cap for a tank?
6: <laughs> no, no, we'll break it up with hammers and convert it back into pig iron. Ah, that was a bright idea, telephoning us. Yes,
3: wasn't it? And won't everybody be surprised when they find out that I stole? <laughs> well, here comes Mister Skinner back again, Uncle Moore. I'll get
2: it. Yes, all right. Well, thank goodness. Now Leroy can let him cart that deer away, and we'll have the whole matter off our chest. Well, a good wedding's too, I say. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly wasn't worth all the trouble it took. Leroy got three seventy-five, dollars and it cost me $7 to get it back after Bertie sold it.
3: Hey, Uncle Lord, it's with the skin all Yeah? Where'd you put the deer? in the store, Of course
2: not. We left it in the hall. Can't you use your eyes?
3: Oh, it isn't
2: there now. Well, it couldn't walk away.
5: <laughs> did
2: you move it, Llewellyn? Me. After the struggle and trouble I had getting it through the front door?
5: <laughs>
2: oh, sir. My mother never wastes any foolish children.
3: Yes. <laughs> we'll do
2: I am, sir. What's the meaning of this intrusion?
3: Oh, it's you.
2: Oh, forgot. And now the Papa around here.
3: He's our Uncle
2: It's Your Uncle, too. Oh, no. (laughs) Not exactly. I think he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr.
3: and probably two
2: other
3: fellas. Hello, Uncle Mort. Say, what's going on in Uh, here?
2: This man, Skinner, bought our iron deer from Leroy and now it's disappeared. For the second time.
3: Oh, my goodness. I just sold it to the Summerfield Works for twenty 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 bucks. Ah, uh, no wonder you
2: didn't want to turn it over to me for $375. Oh. Better give him back his money, we boy.
3: I can't. I spent it already. Well,
2: well, then you better give it to him out of the 20, Marjorie. I
3: spent all mine, too.
2: Oh, jumping jeeps. Well, I'll have to give you the 375, Mr. Oh, know you don't.
3: What about all the time
2: I wasted? Oh? And the cab fare. And the two trips with the truck. And the profit I'd have made selling to the ironworks. You gotta give me at least ten bucks for all my trouble. <laughs> ten bucks for one buck? Why, you can go down to the river and
5: take it to good- <laughs>
2: You can take a good jump in the lake for yourself.
4: Yeah, well, I'll soon.
2: Excuse me, Mr. Gildersleeve. Can Uh, I speak to you privately? uh, Is it important? Quite a week. Come on over here. Uh, What is it, Llewellyn? You remember that that there was something about that deer that reminded me of something? Only I couldn't recall what? Yes, yes, yes. What is it? Well, I just recollected. Iron deers like that are scarce. They're wear antiques. They are? They are? Yeah, I read somewhere that they're a vanishing form for Millicona. They're worth anywhere from $150 up to collectors in that museums. Not so loud. That mule Skinner will hear you. <laughs> Do you think we could should pay him the $10 and get rid of him? Absolutely. Now we should rush right down to the ironworks and rescue the deer before they break it up. Oh, that's right. Break it up. Oh, we'll have to pay them back, too. Eh? Yep. $20 there, $10 to Skinner, $7 to Joe Bush. Uh, that's $37 It's going to cost me to get the deer back. Llewellyn, you better be right about the value of that iron casting, or... Or what, Mr. way Or else I'll clown you. <laughs> uh, Llewellyn, are you holding that statue carefully in the rumble seat? I'm tweeting it as if it were very fragile. Well, all we have to do is drive across town now and see what the antique dealers will offer.
3: Oh, wasn't it marvelous that we caught Harry? Yes. I mean, Mr. Phelps. Oh. Before he ordered them to break up, Buck?
2: Yes. Well, I was going to tell you about that, Marjorie. I found out that young Phelps was going to save that thing as a souvenir. He
3: was? Yes. But it wasn't his to keep. It belonged to the company.
2: Oh, yes? Bad chance any company would pay $20 for $2 worth of scrap metal. That young man bought it for himself.
3: He did? I want
2: Yeah. If you don't know why nobody else does. <laughs> Mr. Gildersweave, this is Mr. Abernathy, who's an expert on old hitching posts, sundials, and iron deer. Yes, how do you do, sir? Oh, I'm glad to meet you. I thought there was no use woding and unwoding the statuary till its authenticity was established. Yes, that's right. Uh, Go ahead, Mr. Abernathy. Climb up and examine it to your heart's content. Well, well, uh, thank you. Well, say, this seems to be rather an unusual
1: item, I- in fine condition. It is? Oh, that's good news. Well, there are several simple little
4: tests, uh, like the sound it makes when you knock on it. Oh. Ah. ah, just listen to that. Isn't that music to the
2: ear? I don't know. Does that mean it's genuine? Yes. But it certainly is music to the ear.
3: The i is a wonderful... It's just like finding buried treasure. Yeah.
2: Hey, say, I like this item. I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, bring it in and I'll give you a check for $160. How's that? Now, wait a minute. I'll make it $170.
3: Hey,
2: cut that out, Leroy. right <laughs> That's a very nice offer, Mr. Abinathy. We'll take it. A Llewellyn. Yeah, so suppose you help me lift it out and then hand it down to me. Okay. Yes. You grab hold of the wakes, Mr. Gillespie. Yes, alright, alright.
5: Right.
2: <laughs> I've got him. Uh, now be careful. Most of Llewellyn is always careful. Uh, easy now, this is worth a lot of money. Yep. Watch out, it doesn't get away from you. Oh, well, will try to, but it's got a off we swip, we wump.
5: What? Look out below! Oh, look out oh, oh, in hundred pieces. Well, that's the last time
2: we'll ever try to pass that buck.
1: The great Gildersleeve will be with us again in a few minutes. You know, food shopping is getting to be a science these days. Yes, I certainly take my hat off to you housewives. You know a lot about the quality and nutritional value of foods, and how to serve your family's really tasty and nourishing meals and still keep within your budget. And that's why I'm sure so many housewives are asking for parquet margarine instead of just saying, the margarine, please. They know, you see, that parquet margarine is the modern margarine. Outstanding because it tastes so good. Outstanding, too, because of its fine quality and because it's a nourishing and wholesome year-round source of vitamin A. Yes, and these women know that parquet is an all-purpose margarine. Delicious for table use, a real flavor shortening for baking, and just about perfect for pan frying because it adds flavor and doesn't spatter or stick to the pan. So take a tip from these wise housewives. When you go to your food store, don't just ask for margarine, ask for parquet margarine. Then you'll know you're getting margarine at its best. Yes, tomorrow, ask your food dealer for parquet. P-A-R-K-A-Y. It's the delicious modern margarine made by Kraft. <laughs>
2: Leroy, how can you whistle and chuckle and grin when we've just smashed $160 worth of iron deer?
3: I want to wait till we we're alone, Unc. When old Buck busted up, something that was hidden inside of him came rolling out.
2: It did? What was
3: it? I picked it up so nobody and see. It's a great big wad of money. Oh
2: my goodness, maybe that crash was for the best. There's nobody else around here. Let me see it. Here, Uncle. Wow, what a roll. Cut the string, Leroy.
4: There. Oh boy.
2: Oh, darn it, we lose again. It's Confederate money. Good night. <laughs>
0: Welcome back. Uh, In this episode, it's worth noting how uh, the war uh, serves as a plot point uh, based on them investing heavily in defense bonds, which would certainly uh, escalate as the war goes on. Uh, And, of course, uh, we should note here the voice of Elmer Fudd appearing, uh, in the form of Arthur Q. Bryan, a great American, uh, voice actor, uh, who, uh, was the originating voice of, uh, Elmer Fudd until, uh, 1959 when he passed away at age 60. But he did a lot of radio work and, uh, on, uh, character, on not only this show, but also on, uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, and there are several other programs where seemingly Elmer Fudd shows up. But that wasn't the only voice that uh, Brian did. All right, well, that will do it for today. If you would like to share your experience or that of a loved one during World War II, please email your stories to box13 at greatdetectives.net. We will consider all stories to be shared on the air. We also welcome your suggestion as to future programs. This program is dedicated to those who fought and died in World War II and is presented as a service of the great detectives of old time radio, greatdetectives.net. The opening theme is The Heroic by Ken Curlin, kencurlin.com.